Volume two, chapter five of Gwen Wynn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gwen Wynn, A Romance of the Why by Maine Reed. Volume two, chapter five. A French Femme de Chambre. Of all who assisted at the ceremony of Mary Morgan's funeral, no one seemed so impatient for its termination as the priest. In his official capacity he did all he could to hasten it, soon as it was over hurrying away from the grave out of the burying ground and into his own house nearby. Such haste would have appeared strange, even indecent, but for the belief of his having some sacerdotal duty that called him elsewhere, a belief strengthened by their shortly, after seeing him start off in the direction of the ferry-boat. Arriving there, the Caron attendant rows him across the river, and soon as setting foot on the opposite side, he turns face downstream, taking a path that meanders through fields and meadows. Along this he goes rapidly, as his legs can carry him, in a walk. Clerical dignity hinders him from proceeding at a run, though judging by the expression of his countenance he is inclined to it. The route he is on would conduct to Langoran Court, several miles distant, and thither is he bound, though the house itself is not his objective point. He does not visit, nor would it serve him to show his face there, least of all to Gwen Wynne. She might not be so rude as to use her riding whip on him, as she once felt inclined in the hunting field, but she would certainly be surprised to see him at her home. Yet it is one within her house he wishes to see, and is now on the way for it, pretty sure of being able to accomplish his object. True to her fashionable instincts and toilette necessities, Miss Linton keeps a French maid, and it is with this damsel Father Rogier designs having an interview. He is thoroughly en rapport with the femme de chambre, and through her, aided by the confession, kept advised of everything which transpires at the court or all he deems it worth while to be advised about. His confidence that he will not have long his walk for nothing rests on certain matters of prearrangement. With the foreign domestic he has succeeded in establishing a code of signals by which he can communicate, with almost a certainty of being able to see her, not inside the house but at a place near enough to be convenient. Rare the park in Herefordshire through which there is not a right-of-way path, and one runs across that of Langoran, not through the ornamental grounds, nor at all close to the mansion, as is frequently the case, to the great chagrin of the owner, but several hundred yards distant. It passes from the river's bank to the country road, all the way through the trees that screen it from view of the house. There is a point, however, where it approaches the edge of the wood, and there one traversing it might be seen from the upper windows but only for an instant, unless the party so passing should choose to make stop in the place exposed. It is a thoroughfare not much frequented, though free to Father Rogier as anyone else, and now, hastening along it, he arrives at that spot where the break in the timber brings the house in view. Here he makes a halt, still keeping under the trees, to a branch of one of them on the side towards the court, attaching a piece of white paper he has taken out of his pocket. This done with due caution and care that he not be observed in the act, 
he draws back to the path and sits down upon a stile close by to await the upshot of his telegraphy his haste hitherto explained by the fact only at certain times are his signals likely to be seen or could they be attended to one of the surest and safest is during the early afternoon hours just after luncheon when the ancient toast of cheltenham takes her accustomed siesta before dressing herself for the drive or reception of callers while the mistress sleeps the maid is free to dispose of herself as she pleases it was to hit this interlude of leisure father rogier has been hurrying and that he has succeeded is soon known to him by his seeing a form with floating drapery recognisable as that of the femme de chambre gliding through the shrubbery and evidently with an eye to escape observation she is only visible at intervals at length lost to his sight altogether as she enters among the thick shading trees but he knows she will turn up again and she does after a short time coming along the path towards the stile where he is seated ah ma bonne he exclaims dropping on his feet and moving forward to meet her you've been prompt i didn't expect you quite so soon madame la chatelaine oblivious i apprehend in the midst of her afternoon nap yes pere she was when i stole off but she has given me directions about dressing her to go out for a drive earlier than usual so i must get back immediately i'm not going to detain you very long i chanced to be passing and thought i might as well have a word with you seeing it's the hour when you're off duty by the way i hear you're about to have grand doings at the court a ball and what not oui monsieur oui when is it to be on thursday mademoiselle celebrates saint jour de naissance the twenty-first making her of age it is to be a grand fete as you say they've been all last week preparing for it among the invited le capitaine rycroft i presume oh yes i saw madame write the note inviting him indeed took it myself down to the hall table for the postboy he visits often at the court of late very often once a week sometimes twice and comes down the river by boat doesn't he in a boat yes comes and goes that way her statement is reliable as father rogier has reason to believe having an inkling of suspicion that the damsel has of late been casting sheep's eyes not at captain rycroft but his young boatman and is as much interested in the movements of the mary as either the boat's owner or charterer always comes by water and returns by it observes the priest as if speaking to himself you're quite sure of that muffy oh quite pere mademoiselle appears to be very partial to him i think you told me she often accompanies him down to the boat stair at his departure often always always toujours i never knew it otherwise either the boat stair or the pavilion ah the summer-house they hold their tete-a-tete there at times do they yes they do but not when he leaves at a late hour as for instance when he dines at the court which i know he has done several times oh yes even then only last week he was there for dinner and mademoiselle gwen went with him to his boat or the pavilion to bid adieus no matter what the time to her ma foi i'd risk my word she'll do the same after his grand ball that's to be and why shouldn't she pere rogier is there any harm in it 
The question is put with a view of justifying her own conduct that would be somewhat similar were Jack Wingate to encourage it, which, to say truth, he never has. Oh, no, answers the priest with an assumed indifference, no harm whatever, and no business of ours. Mademoiselle Wynne is mistress of her own actions and will be more after the coming birthday number vant on. But, he adds, dropping the role of the interrogator now that he has got all the information wanted, I fear I'm keeping you too long. As I've said, chancing to come by, I signalled, chiefly to tell you, that next Sunday we have high mass in the chapel, with special prayers for a young girl who was drowned last Saturday night, and whom we've just this day interred. I suppose you've heard. No, I haven't. Who, pair? The question may appear strange, Rugg's Ferry being so near to Langoran Court and Abergann still nearer, but for reasons already stated, as others, the ignorance of the Frenchwoman as to what has occurred at the farmhouse is not only intelligible, but natural enough. Equally natural, though in a sense very different, is a look of satisfaction appearing in her eyes as the priest in answer gives the name of the drowned girl, Marie la fille de Femier Morgan. The expression that comes over her face is, under the circumstances, terribly repulsive, being almost that of joy, for not only has she seen Mary Morgan at the chapel, but something besides, heard her name coupled with that of the waterman Wingate. In the midst of her strong sinful emotions, of which the priest is fully cognizant, he finds it a good opportunity for taking leave. Going back to the tree where the bit of signal paper has been left, he plucks it off and crumbles it into his pocket, then, returning to the path, shakes hands with her, says, Bonjour, and departs. She is not a beauty, or he would have made his adieus in a very different way. End of Volume 2, Chapter 5